You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramillo, credentialed reporter and the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. On Friday afternoon, after some technical difficulties, Miami Heat team president Pat Riley finally addressed media members following the Heat's loss in the NBA Finals. There was a lot to break down from his relationship with Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra to some comments about the NBA Finals that have been wildly taken out of context. But I'll start off with Pat's view of this roster and free agency, the draft, all of which probably are coming up at some point in the next month. That schedule's still very much up in the air. Now, Pat's quote, contrary to popular belief, the cupboard is more full than ever. I'm very optimistic about what's ahead of us. He was kind of assessing what was going on with the Heat roster, everything that's going on as far as upcoming draft picks. If there was a theme, however, to the overall discussion about what's the approach for next season, I would have to say it's probably one of uncertainty, at a level of uncertainty that we're not used to seeing from Pat. He's always a little cryptic, a little vague. If you've listened to some of our past shows over the years, whenever Riley has his state of the team address at the end of the season, it's always very difficult to gleam anything from it in particular because you're never quite sure what Pat is talking about. There's always problems, there's challenges, and there are none. You know, we're going after a whale. All these little comments that have kind of woven themselves into heat folklore. It's fantastic. It's great cinema. It's also not something that you can take a lot of concrete information from. And when it comes to next season, it's even harder because Pat did approach the subject of how uncertain everything is, that we're not quite sure how much money is going to be available for teams because the salary cap has yet to be finalized because the numbers have not been crunched at the league level. We're not sure when the season is going to take place. We're not sure if we're going to be able to have fans. More than likely not. On Friday, ESPN Adrian Wojnarowski, he reported that they're looking at a Christmas start date. In a previous episode, I had talked about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day uh, being the possible start date in January. Now it looks like that's going to be pushed up a little bit uh, to a few weeks earlier. I think that's, you know, I, I go back to listening to that show if you did not. I have my thoughts about whether or not that provides an advantage for Miami. But Christmas Day, very, very, very short turnaround from the end of last season. And so given all that, and the lack of information regarding the numbers, the money that's going to be available to teams, whether or not fans are going to be available, Riley came across as a little uncertain. And I think that's totally understandable. However, when he did talk about this team and what the next steps are, he also said that he was very optimistic about the the kind of draft picks this team has. Uh, He also spoke uh, on numerous occasions about Miami's young players, Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, And he also spoke about Miami's, quote, plethora of draft picks, you know, for Heat standards, six first-round picks in the next eight years, something that Riley referenced on a couple of different occasions. So it was interesting for him to point out that it seems like that's a lot when so many other teams compile draft picks as much as possible. And you look at the Boston Celtics and their their treasure trove of first-round picks. I think from Miami's perspective, it makes a lot of sense. They always hit on their picks, or generally they tend to do. 
And if that's the case, then six picks over the next eight years, that's, you know, there's a chance at adding six quality veteran players by the end of the decade. And that's a great place to be in as far as adding youth and an infusion of talent, all on very reasonable contracts for the most part. He also talked about free agency. He said, you know, that decisions need to be made, not just about Derek Jones Jr., Myers Leonard, and Jay Crowder, but also about Bam Adebayo and his possible extension. So he was a little evasive, didn't quite commit one way or the other, spoke glowingly about all these players. He, he said he loved what Derek Jones Jr. had been able to provide, that Myers Leonard, great off-the-court, on-the-court presence, sets the best picks in the league. That's what Riley actually said, and of course, his ability to shoot the ball. About Jay and Andre Iguodala, he spoke about them you know, in unison, and Solomon Hill to some degree, about their impact once they were uh, acquired by the team in February. So it's clear that he's very aware of what's going to happen as far as free agency, or at least what the goal is. But he also, and this was where you kind of, you can only take so much from what Riley tells you. The overall idea is always to stay the course with our picks and our young players. They don't want to give up picks in order to acquire any kind of superstar. But he also wants to use make sure that the team has flexibility at all costs. That was something he reiterated on a number of occasions. So for everybody looking at what the status is of this team or whether or not they're going to be just re-signing players and things of that sort, I don't get that sense. I think flexibility is, and very obviously so, the main goal for this team. They want to pursue a whale. And he also did mention that. that and when it comes to a player like Jimmy Butler and everything that he was able to impact and, and do on both sides of the ball, that he was just spoke so glowingly about Jimmy, as I'll talk about a little bit later on in the show, but he also added the caveat, we'd like to add another one, meaning another superstar, another whale-type player. Because he was asked as to whether or not Jimmy was the whale. Because he talked about it last year, about wanting to go whale hunting, and then they wound up with Jimmy. And it worked out because, obviously, they were able to go all the way to the NBA Finals. Jimmy, a fantastic player, a top 10 player, perhaps, maybe a top 15 player, more likely. But when it comes to adding superstars, well, the team would like to add one. So, Riley clearly has his eyes on adding another superstar. How he defines it, whether or not it's Victor Oladipo or, of course, Giannis Antetokounmpo, it's hard to tell. Again, he was not going to add any kind of information. We were told ahead of time not to ask too much about potential players and things of that sort. He can't tamper. He doesn't want to get charged. I think he's, as much as his comments sometimes seem like they're all over the place, he's very aware of what he's saying and how he's saying it. He also wants to make sure that he speaks glowingly of those people and players that deserve it. He talked about Goran Dragic and everything that he's meant to this team. Again, he talked about Derek. He talked about Bam. He, he hit on almost every player on this roster to some degree and spoke very highly about the overall impact. The overall sense, again, was that one of optimism. The season was a fantastic one. They fell short of their expectations of winning a title. That's always the goal for this team. But he's also very much looking forward to what happens next, not just with the draft, wanting to keep young players, wanting to add another young player that might be a contributor to some level next year. He did not mention KZ Apollo, something I'm sure a lot of Heat fans probably noted. But at the same time, he also did talk about, you know, maybe making a change here and there, wanting to keep that flexibility for a superstar of some kind, either this season or next. Impossible to tell, again, given the lack of information about the salary cap and everything else. So there's a, a lot to kind of take out of this. And at the same time, not very much. I hate saying that because it's not like I want to be critical of, of Pat Riley in the least. I have been in the past, and I don't think it was necessarily the right decision at that point in time. I think I've been fair also, and given his comments, it's clear he wants to make changes. I'm just not sure how realistic those changes are. He's always going to be looking 
to tweak a roster, to make improvements. And also, realistically, they're limited by the kind of money they can spend, by the kind of moves that they can make. And those things have yet to be finalized because there's no idea how much money is going to be available for this team moving forward. But he also has strong feelings about the NBA Finals, some of which have led to some misleading headlines. I'll talk about in the next segment. You're listening to Locked On Heat. But one of the things that you can definitely know is not misleading is the taste of Built Bar because it's the best tasting protein bar I've ever had. Make sure you try any one of their 18 amazing flavors, including six new ones, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. So much to choose from, as well as their 12 original flavors, all of which are really, really good. The bars are 100% covered in chocolate, which that's great because they're soft and easy to chew and, of course, delicious. But they're also healthy. They're great for health-conscious people. If you're trying to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat, make sure you get a Built Bar because they're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. They're great for all sorts of diets. And, of course, they've got all the nutrients you're looking for. And right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. So use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. up to date on the latest roster changes, rumors, and more by subscribing to the show on your favorite app to listen to podcasts and always get the latest episodes by asking your smart device to play Locked on Heat when you get in your car to get your team every day. So of course, given that it's been a couple weeks since the NBA season passed, one of the questions that was asked of Pat Riley was, well, how did you view the NBA Finals? And of course, that brought up a lot of feelings for Riley. He didn't want to talk about the injuries to that necessarily of Bam and Goran Dragic and whether or not that impacted the team, but it's clear that was prominent in his mind. He was very upset about the outcome. It was very raw, but he also said, look, you can't do that. You can't look back. You can't say, well, the injuries would have impacted how Miami might have been able to do. But he also kind of, again, as Pat Riley is wont to do, he added later on, they probably would have been able to push the series to a seventh game. They probably would have been able to contend a lot more tightly. But I think from Riley's perspective, you know, he, he had to move on. You can't. You can't. It'll eat you up inside if you keep focusing on the what-ifs and things of that sort. Riley is a man that's always looking ahead. And that's something he also added somewhat, again, cryptically. As much as he's liked uh, over the past few years, made mention of a quote that he acknowledged in that press conference. It's not about keeping the main thing the main thing. Now it's been tweaked a little bit. It's about keeping the main thing the next thing, about moving on, about adding to this team, and so on. So if there's any thought about Riley retiring or anything like that, I think he pretty much squashed it. He also pointed out to Ira Winderman and all media members that we should quit pointing out his age, that he's going to continue to do the job for as long as uh, Mickey Harrison allows him to do it, which is till eternity. So as far as I can tell, Mickey has no intention of relieving Pat of his duties anytime soon because Pat has built an amazing team around him. And they're always very well aware on the next steps and what to do about the right numbers, the right kind of players. So, again, I think to Riley's credit, while he's not necessarily the guy responsible for building the team, he's seen it as the face of that front office that is a very deep roster of uh, personnel there that make really bright decisions. So that's it was pretty – also, I think – Riley was very effusive with his praise of everybody in that front office, from Andy Simon to Andy Ellisberg to so many others, Chet Cameron, the head of scouting, from Eric Spolster, the training staff. There was nobody, I think, that was overlooked as far as uh, being able to contribute 
to Miami's winning ways this past season. But as far as the finals are concerned, he was also clearly upset. And it eats at him. You can tell. I mean, this is Riley. This is the man who said there's winning and there's misery. So for a, a man who saw his team fall two games shy of being able to knock off the Los Angeles Lakers for their fourth championship, that was very, very difficult. But he also mentioned the dreaded word asterisk that has the Lakers fans and other Twitter critics upset. The quote is, they beat us fair and squarely. They were the best team, but there's always going to be that asterisk, that caveat. If we had Bam and Goran, Goran was our leading scorer in the playoffs at 100%, could have gone to a seventh game. But I'm not going to look back on it. I'm just going to look at all the positive things. So that's the quote that has so many people upset. Now, if you had taken the comments that he had said right before it, and even within this context itself, he was talking about the loss of Bam and Goran. This was not about the Lakers having any kind of lesser championship. He was again, very, very effusive with his praise of the Lakers. He called LeBron James the best player in the games. He mentioned Anthony Davis as being a great player in his own right. So there was nothing that he was taking away. I think it's being taken out of context. It sounds much worse than it is. There's no asterisk next to that. If anything, the asterisk is for the heat that they could have done better. It's not if you fall short to the Lakers, you fall short to the Lakers. He just doesn't know whether or not this team at full strength would have been able to do a better job. And that's what bothers him. That's what he's concerned about is whether or not this team would have been good enough to knock off the Lakers and win their championship. And that's where the focus isn't being made. And I think he also clarified that in later comments that were issued on Sunday through the AP's Tim Reynolds. And this is the quote. The asterisk is next to the Heat's name, not the Lakers. Riley said on a, on Sunday, per the Associated Press, their title is legitimate. Our loss has an asterisk next to it. The Lakers were the better team, period. So, ridiculously, everybody wants to harp on this. Everybody wants to look at uh, the Lakers as having been insulted or slighted. And then, of course, some jackass goes on Twitter right away and starts saying, well, the Heat faced beat up teams on their way to the Eastern Conference Finals and all the way through up into the finals. And they, they beat up a, they, they faced a, a Celtics team without Gordon Hayward uh, and a number of players that were hurt. They, they faced the Bucks without Giannis Antetokounmpo and of course a number of injuries. They also faced a shorthanded Pacers team. And while to some degree those things are true, I don't think you can equate the loss of Eric Bledsoe for a game and a half or two games or however long he was out of the finals or even Giannis's injury for part of that series as the same thing as losing Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic. Like, I, I will maintain that. I, I This is my comments. This isn't Pat Riley's comments. I think it's ridiculous. I think they also point, unfortunately, to how badly Miami was beaten in game one, not recalling that, one, Goran was hurt for almost all of that game, that he was hurt badly through the first quarter and that he did not return to action following that injury that he was clearly not at 100 percent and had not been through the previous series against the celtics and that bam was in early foul trouble prior to that they were holding their own against the lakers and bam gets taken out and it's a very different roster you lose two of your starters two of your best players in the span of a few minutes and that's why the lakers were able to run roughshod in game one from that point forward the series was clearly a very competitive one. And then, of course, when they get to game six, everybody had run out of gas. There was the feeling that you just couldn't do enough to contend against the Lakers. That's where the issue comes in here. I think Miami, as I've said many, many times, could have beaten the Lakers. If it comes across as salty, I couldn't care less. That's my opinion. I think 
I didn't see any kind of specific dominance from the Lakers for an established period of time once Miami figured out how to adjust following the loss of two of their starters. And somebody has pointed out to me, well, the Lakers were out Avery Bradley. It's like, you can't, you can't compare Avery Bradley not playing, opting out of the bubble to the loss of Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo. I, I just, I don't know how you can equate really shitty apples to very, very quality oranges. You know, that's, that, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It's not to knock Bradley specifically, but it's not like your offense is being run through Avery Bradley. It's not like you're getting anything out of him other than mediocre defense on the occasional three-point shot. Goron had been the team's leading scorer. Bam Adebayo was the team's focus on offense and defense. He is their hub. He is their star player in that sense. That's why his production isn't as great as other all-stars because he is responsible for so much. I can't believe that I have to make this point to people who are so unfamiliar with what the Heat does. In any case, these comments have stirred up old feelings in myself and, of course, in media, and now everybody's saying, well, coaches shouldn't make these kinds of comments. So absolutely ridiculous. I think Riley was more than fair. He was very generous, again, in his praise of the Lakers and also clearly somewhat hurt and disappointed that they'll never know whether or not Miami might have been able to take the Lakers to a seventh game. Maybe they would have been able to knock them out altogether. Those are huge questions. But he also had a lot of positive things to say about this team, specifically about their star players, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and of course their coach, Eric Spolstra. I'll talk about that in the next segment. You're listening to Lockdown Heat. You can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Given everything that Pat Riley had to say, you would think that maybe he was being critical of this team and things of that sort. That was not the case. I think he was, again, very, very optimistic about this team, about everything they had to accomplish. Given all the difficulties of this offseason, the hiatus, the pandemic, all the different factors that have weighed on this group, on the NBA, and on the world in general, but he saved perhaps his most glowing praise for the best players on this team and their head coach, Eric Spolstra. Of Jimmy Butler, he was asked about that relationship and what he thought of Jimmy's performance during the finals. And I don't think Riley... Riley's at a point now, and maybe I'm reading a little too much into it, but I'm, I'm of the sense that he's putting Jimmy within that same kind of category that he holds a special spot for LeBron, Alonzo Mourning, Dwayne, and Irvin Magic Johnson. Like, those are the players that have meant the most to Riley over the course of his career. I mean, obviously, he has fond feelings for a number of players, from Magic Johnson to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to, you know, everybody that he's coached, not just in the Lakers, but the Knicks, and then later on with Miami. But at the same time, I think those are special players. Like, seeing them perform at such a high level, I, he spoke about Jimmy's Two games in, in game three and five, of course, Miami's only victories in the finals, have two of the best individual performances in the NBA finals of all time. Now, that might be a bit of a stretch. I, I think it's a fair assessment. I, I think it's somewhat perhaps a little hyperbolic, but at the same time, I understand where Pat Riley's coming from. And he also just wants to acknowledge that this has been a perfect fit between Jimmy and the team, that he, he spoke about connecting with him last year, that occasionally they just text. Uh, that they have a great personal relationship and 
he also mentioned that for Jimmy, like Jimmy sometimes just wants autonomy, just to be left alone in the office, the front office. The team knows exactly how to handle them. They just kind of give him his room, and it's worked out so well. Of course, we're one year into this relationship, but it's always already seemed like a very strong one. As far as Bam is concerned, as I mentioned earlier, he understands the dicey nature, and that was his quote, the dicey nature of wanting to offer him an extension and do right by him because he is so fond of Bam as a player and as a person, but at the same time wanting to maintain that same flexibility that I talked about in the first segment, and that is ultimately a goal. So, I mean, look, we have nothing here. Brian Windhorst, I mean, my, my feeling is that Brian is trying to come up with content as much as possible, that he is trying to just say, Miami is a player, and any kind of big-time free agency moves that they want to go after Giannis Antetokounmpo, etc. At the same time, that's not news here. And there's no way of finalizing what the next steps are. You talk to Bam, you talk about, you talk to him and his agent and what he wants to do next, and then you kind of figure out what Giannis wants to do next, and you can kind of plan from there. Nothing's been finalized. I'm sure there have been discussions. I'm sure there have been feelers. Bam is already working out the American Airlines Arena, as I mentioned last week. None of that also matters. As far as the overall view, I think, of Bam, Riley mentioned that him of Bam, that he is the centerpiece of this team moving forward, something that I was not sure of. As much as he thinks that Jimmy is a fantastic player, Bam is the future of this team. And he also acknowledged about players and free agents wanting to sign with this team because of what Miami is able to do with their young core that includes Adebayo and so many others, as I mentioned earlier. As far as Bam, I asked him specifically about what the next step is and expanding his game and getting better at everything. Like His feeling is that Bam has another level to reach in every aspect, from his passing to his shooting to his playmaking to everything, his aggressiveness and scoring. And he's convinced that he can do it. Because if there's a player that can practice, 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 as Riley said, that if he can continue to tweak every aspect of his game and continue to grow as a player in person, it's Bam and Abayo. And that's why I think the front office is so enamored of him. For all the other people around the ESPN trade machine that have included Bam and trades for Giannis Antetokounmpo or Joel Embiid or anybody else, Forget it. That guy's never getting traded. Adebayo is part of this team for the long run. And, look, I mean, you never know what can happen. Obviously, Alonzo Mourning signed elsewhere. LeBron James signed elsewhere. Like these, I mean, Dwayne Wade joined the Chicago Bulls in 2016. It can always happen. At the same time, when he's talking about players being cornerstones of a franchise, that is not something he, he doles out haphazardly. He knows exactly what he's saying. But he also was very, very fond of saying of Eric Spolstra that that was his coach of the year. As far as Riley is concerned, Eric Spolstra is the NBA coach of the year. He also acknowledged something I've said before, that the coach of the year trophy award wouldn't mean anything to Spo. Like He's just the kind of guy who loves work so much, like this team, like Riley himself. They would take that award, put it on the shelf, let it collect dust, and move on to the next thing. I don't know if Eric Spolstra will ever win the coach of the year award. It's it's kind of hard. Spo has been so good for so consistently long that unless he has another drastically terrible team, a version of another team that's so bad and that he's able to bring them out of the doldrums and compete for a title, Spo is just consistently good. And I feel like he does not get enough credit and he gets a lot of credit at the same time. Everybody recognizes him as being good and never, never good enough to just be awarded as a guy who stands out from a year-to-year basis because of that consistency. But that's neither here nor there. As for Riley's comments, clearly 
He understands how important Spolstra is to this organization. He talked about the job of getting those men on the team to focus on winning, to stay focused on everything that was going on as far as basketball is concerned, with the, all the outside focus and, and all the outside factors in, affecting them as men, as human beings. And he also acknowledged that Spolster had just done a great job. He took none of the credit for himself. Something that I think Riley, Riley's viewed erroneously as an egomaniac, somebody who wants the attention for himself. I have never, perhaps in my, in my history of covering this team or maybe even following along, I have never seen Riley deflect that praise as much as, as he did in this past press conference. He, he spoke about Eric Spolstra and all the men and women who were with his team, the training staff and everybody else, doing the best job possible in order to get this team to that next level, to have them compete for a championship, that he had nothing to do with it other than the uh, being a part of the machine that helps accumulate and acquire these players. As far as the team itself and getting them to outperform expectations and play as well as they did, he deferred all of that credit, and rightfully so, to Eric Spolstra. So incredible work on Riley's end. It was a very interesting conversation with him to see him address media this way because of the whole Zoom conference call and some of the technical difficulties. It was a little weird for him. He couldn't see us face-to-face, so he couldn't talk to us the way he... I think he's been a little more aggressive in past press conferences, sharing little nuggets of information but not offering too much because that's just who Pat Riley is. It was still interesting to see that he has big expectations for this team moving forward. And, of course, I'll be continuing to bring you Whatever changes Pat Riley and the rest of the Heat front office make over the next few weeks, I'll be bringing the latest rumors, news from around the NBA, looking ahead to the NBA draft, as well as a series of exit interviews for the past season. If you want to stay up to date, what better way to do that than by subscribing and following this podcast to get the latest episodes as soon as they're out. I'm David Mill, signing off and thanking you as always for your support.